Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. This is Tom Salemi. Thanks for joining us. I had the opportunity recently to speak with uh, Dr. Rick Lewis. Uh, Dr. Lewis is, of course, well-known in uh, glaucoma circles, uh, having led both the uh, Glaucoma Society and ASCRS recently. Uh, he's also, uh, last year, became Chief Medical Officer at Area Pharmaceuticals, which is doing so much in, in glaucoma. So he brings a great deal of clinical and corporate experience to the conversation, to the, the discussion of glaucoma, which really, let's be honest, there's a, a lot to talk about. Uh, and we did. We talked to a bit about MIGS and, and sort of uh, handicapped that race there or discussed whether or not it is actually a race. Uh, we talked a bit about um, just the innovation in glaucoma. Why, why is it happening now? Why is there so much exciting in this sector? And then looking forward, kind of down the, 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 the glaucoma uh, line, away from developing new technologies and getting into sort of the practice of, of medicine and, and the actual surgery, uh, Dr. Lewis and I talked a bit about the important role of uh, sales reps uh, in the OR and uh, about whether or not there's new blood coming into uh, into the glaucoma specialty. So it was really a great far-ranging conversation. I will let you enjoy it now. Welcome to the OIS podcast and enjoy this conversation with Dr. Rick Lewis. Dr. Rick Lewis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. So I have to ask, I'm, a, I'm sort of an outsider to ophthalmology. Has, has glaucoma always been this cool? Because you guys seem to have the coolest specialty in ophthalmology. <laughs> it's, a, it's an honor that you say that because for many years, <laughs> glaucoma was the, uh, the boring stepsister of, uh, of ophthalmology. And all the excitement was in uh, anterior segment cataract treatment or in retinal disease. But uh, over the past few years, probably the last five, there's been just tremendous uh, innovation occurring. Uh, a lot of it was there, but it was sort of below the surface, and now uh, everyone's getting involved because they see that we're going to be able to be more specific in our diagnosis and offer treatments that are safer and better. And so it has become very exciting. Why, why is all of this happening now? Is it just a matter of time because so little had been done before because it was so sleepy before? Uh, or has there been some other uh, ex external force that's led to these many spotlights being shown on the, uh, on the glaucoma space? Well, I, that's a, it's, a, it's a good question and it's sort of a complicated answer, but there's a number of issues there. If you look at it from the therapeutic side, uh, we've had good drugs for many years that lower pressure. Uh, but we've had issues with any chronic disease with compliance adherence, so patients don't take their drops. And we've had issues with side effects. And then on the surgical side, we really haven't had a lot of, we had not had a lot of innovation until until recently uh, with it, with the mixed space. And, you know, the, the work in the mixed space, which, you know, the micro uh, incisional glaucoma procedures has been, uh, discussed for, and, and, and we've been involved meetings for at least 10 years in this, but it wasn't until Glaucos uh, got approval uh, in the U.S. and we began to see the value of a, of a safer, gentler glaucoma procedure that 
I think, really turned it around. So Glaucos deserves a lot of credit for doing a lot of the heavy lifting and getting FDA approval, which was tough for the FDA because it was an entirely new area, but also for getting reimbursement and then taking on the challenges of teaching the ophthalmic world, particularly the anterior segment surgeons who weren't glaucoma specialists, that they can do glaucoma surgery too in, in a safe way. That, that whole safety aspect is critical. And I've never seen a, a space heat up like Migs just has. And, and you and I both awoke to the news this morning of this podcast of uh, Alcon's acquisition of, of Transcend. Um, there's a horse race on now, isn't there? I mean, we're, 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 we've got three big players in this space. There is. And it, it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, they, they're, it's a horse race in some ways and, and not in others. You know, the, the, the mixed space has always been defined by the target tissue. So, for example, uh, the ISPED has been directed at the canal space. Uh, Transcend has been directed at the suprachoroidal space. Uh, and and aquasis or the Zen procedure is in the subconjunctival space. So um, what that implies is that we have these safer procedures, but they're directed at different types of glaucoma. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe the race will heat up when they begin to cross over and show that these different mechanisms can work in different spaces. But right now, they're really defined by their target tissue. Well, that's a great distinction. I guess I, I, I've, I've seen them as competitors. It's easy to do that. To, they're all, you know, to have similar products in, in the same area. But at this point, there really is very little crossover between the three? Uh, well, at this point, you know, at least by labeling, FDA labeling will yep. indicate that, you know, the canal space is limited to open-end glaucoma. Uh, the uh, uh, you know the Zen perhaps may be restricted to more advances. He's just been by labeling. Now that of course mm-hmm. doesn't mean a lot when it actually gets in the market. In the market, the, the doctors will use it for whatever they indicate it for. And that's where it'll be exciting. As all three of these these companies get on the market, uh, it'll be fascinating to see what types of diseases it will treat. Will it? Will it? Uh, hopefully, it will treat the both primary and secondary glaucomas. If, some of the more advanced problems. So that, that's what we're all hoping for in glaucoma, despite the labeling. How, how do these, the availability of these devices, and, and right now uh, Glucose is the only one with the, with the product in the market, but the other two are, are a year or two away, I think. Uh, how does the arrival of these products change the, the, the you know, a glaucoma practice? Does it, does it shift you away from, from uh, medication, more toward procedure? Does it really upend how how you practice uh, your medicine and how you treat glaucoma or how others would treat glaucoma? Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it's, again, a good, a good question with a complex answer in that uh, it's opened up uh, glaucoma surgery to the cataract surgeon. They, prior to this, they really did not want to get involved with trabeculectomy and the more classic approach with using mitomycin and so forth. So in some ways, it's opened up the area to a broader group of, of surgical specialists, and um, in an effort now, it's also made combination surgery, which is cataract plus glaucoma procedure, whether it's glaucose or whatever. Um, it's made the combination procedure more attractive than it used to be because before the combination procedure had a lot of complications, so that was good. Um, on the other hand, medications haven't been ignored, and, and you know we still have a a, a need for better, safer, more potent medications because glaucoma is a very broad disease and surgery 
won't cure it. It's not going to. It's not going away because of the mixed procedures. It's. I think we're more aware of it, and I think we're more aggressive treating it, and perhaps we'll get patients off some of their medications. But there's still a broad spectrum of glaucoma patients that will need medication. So we still need better medication. We still need you know, safer, more effective. Uh, we need better drug delivery systems and a whole slew of other options on the medication side. And until we until we come up with a cure, and, and the cure is a long way off. And as I indicated in the intro to this, you you, you work with with Ari, uh, your, your your chief medical officer, sort of part time uh, uh, basis. What can I guess? What can you share about Ari in in its approach, and just perhaps more speak also more broadly about. Uh, what else might be coming down the pike to treat glaucoma uh, on the medication side? Well, you know, what, what we've always wanted medications is drugs that are easy to comply with, that uh, lower pressure without a lot of side effects, and perhaps could do other things to the target tissue. Um, Ari has worked on on a drug that, uh, Repressor, that um at least in animal work, suggests that there there may be some beneficial effect to the target tissue. The data is still not confirmed in humans, but you know it's it's taking glaucoma treatment beyond just uh, pressure reduction, and that's what we're hoping for. If if we can if we can prove that that we can we can uh, help uh, the target tissue, which in this case would be trabec- the trabecular mesh work. Um, that would be a fabulous thing because we've not been able to enhance that. And then further down the road, medications, whatever medication it may be that provides neural protection, neural regeneration would be the ultimate, uh, that would be the ultimate goal of all, that we could actually restore some benefit to the optic nerve. And thus far, no drug has been able to prove that. Now, along the way, uh, these are, uh, you know, the drug delivery space is heating up as well, as you may have heard. Of course, Allergan, Invisia, mm-hmm. uh, and to some extent, Aerie all have uh, drug delivery uh, approaches here that uh, will enhance our patients' ability to take their medications uh, on a more regular basis. So right now, we, we depend on them to put the drops in, and we know they don't do it. So a drug delivery uh, piece where they can maybe only have drug applied every four months or every six months uh, would eliminate the compliance part of the glaucoma puzzle. That'd be great. And you you referenced this earlier the the the, the uh, change in diagnostics, the availability of, of better diagnostics. What what are, what are you seeing there, and and what does that mean for glaucoma patients and uh, and physicians? Well, again, the, the big problem with glaucoma has been either the underdiagnosis of so many patients who have it don't know they have it, uh, or the patients who have ocular hypertension but don't really have glaucoma. And so what we've been always wanting is more sensitive and more specific treatment uh, to be able to detect it at an earlier stage. So the, uh, you know, there's a lot of work being done on IOP monitoring devices that uh, will be more specific. So instead of checking pressure maybe two or three times a year for a few seconds, we'll have devices either in contact lenses or other ways that would provide uh, uh, 24 hour or longer follow up. So we could really get a sense of what patients' pressures are uh, during the day, while they're sleeping, while they're playing sports, whatever they're doing. And that could really give us a good handle, kind of like an EKG does, a good handle on someone's pressure. But then beyond that, the uh, diagnosis in the optic nerve is changing where you're, you're getting much more sensitivity out of OCT measurement at the uh, 
level of the ganglion cell and, uh, and into the ocular nerve fiber layer area. That will help us uh, early detection of glaucoma. So a lot of excitement on, on all these levels and uh, all seems to be happening now. So it's, it's a great time to be in glaucoma. I'm going to take this uh, quick break from the conversation to remind you to go to OIS.net. It's a great-looking website now. We completely revamped it. It's got wonderful content on it, articles, podcasts, videos. Check it out. And while you are there, of course, register for OIS at ASCRS, which will be held May 5th in New Orleans. Now back to this talk. Speaking of new things, I know a couple of weeks ago you were at Glaucoma 360. You gave a, a, a talk there. Uh, what was your talk about? And uh, share with us some of your insights, some of the takeaways from uh, from the meeting. Well, I had the uh, honor of giving the uh, the Sutro lecture, which is the main lecture for that meeting. And uh, my uh, th- this was uh, focused on my 30 years of consulting in in glaucoma, and I pointed out the uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of some of the things that I've been involved with. Um, some of which were very helpful for patients and some of which were complete failures. And I think, uh, you know, we, we have to learn from our mistakes in, in all aspects of this, both in, in drug development as well as uh, the launching of the products. And I pointed out a number of, of uh, problems uh, and, and some successes in, in getting clinicians to change behavior uh, and um, also in helping our patients. So it was it was a lot of fun for me to be able to put this together. I, I was only given thirty minutes. I probably could have spoke for two hours because <laughs> there's been a lot of a lot of good, bad, and ugly along the way. But it's uh, all in all, it's been very, very good, and it was uh, a big honor for me to get that talk. What what uh, can you share? One or two uh, ugly developments for us? It's, you're right. That's not something that we often do in this industry. Uh, look at look at the, yeah. the growing pains. Well, you know, one of the ones was uh, a launch of uh, a product. Uh, well, it was it was originally the an Israeli company uh, called Opinol that launched the Express, and they uh, contracted with Siva to launch it in the U.S. Uh, this is about uh, a little over ten years ago. Siva uh, really didn't have much experience in the surgical field at the time, and they hired some sales reps who then uh, had a certification program. For the Express device at the American Academy meeting uh, site, and so in about a five to ten minute session, you were able to uh, take their device, which had an ejector, eject a few into a into a pig eye, and then they gave you a, a printed out a certification. So people went home and felt they were experts in in glaucoma surgery, and it resulted in a series of complications, uh, colloidal hemorrhages and infections and bleeding. Because uh, they really didn't spend the time to really teach the surgeon how to do it, and it, caught, it led to the uh, uh, they pulled the device off the market and uh, had to relaunch it in a different way. It took a couple of years to relaunch it. Uh, ultimately, the Express uh, turned out to be a good device, and Alcon acquired the Express a few years ago. Uh, but it was an example of very, very nearsighted approach mm-hmm. to launching a clinical product. Uh, the reverse of that, I think, was what uh, Glaucos did with the iStat and how they uh, very carefully selected surgeons who were very, very uh, competent. Uh, they actually sent many of them to Armenia to do additional training off-site. Uh, 
they uh, had their reps well-trained in the OR, had them do a certain number of cases under direct supervision before they were given the green light to go. And I think that's, uh, you know, the two extremes of, of a surgical launch. And uh, <clears throat> very important lesson that was learned. And then, of course, there's other lessons that were learned, uh, uh, products that were ex- did excellent in clinical trials. And when they got in the market, production changes caused some severe complications. So, it, again, I could have talked for hours about some of the things that happened here. And uh, I just touched on a, a few of the more noteworthy ones that I think hopefully won't happen again. Well, you've got an open forum here. Always an invitation to come and share more. Um, uh, just a question about surgery uh, in in, uh, in other specialties, orthopedics in particular. The, the the sales rep is 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 a critical part of that whole procedure. Is that the case in ophthalmology as well? Is there always a representative from the company as part of the surgery, or is that a new development? You know, it's it's an important part of it, and 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 the surgical teaching is so critical. But the uh, there's more barrier, barriers now to getting uh, companies to uh, have reps in. The, the government and uh, FDA have put a lot of restrictions on having reps in, in the OR. And that's a, a big change, a, a very negative change, because a lot of technology, I mean, ophthalmology is, uh, well, let me back up. Ophthalmology is very innovative, and there's a lot of new things constantly going on. And so uh, you, it's very hard to get adequate trainers now, and, and, and it sort of violates some of the principles that uh, in, the, in the new FDA guidelines um, and CMS. So it's really complicated having reps in the OR, and Alcon is struggling with this as one of the bigger surgical uh, distributors. It's, it's so important, and I think we're going we're gonna to pay a price for it uh, in getting adequate training. So I hope we don't lose it entirely. I don't think people appreciate the role that they play in, in these procedures. I know I didn't until I started covering this industry. It's 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 fascinating. What, yeah, yeah. What were some of the other takeaways of things you saw at uh, Glaucoma 360 that uh, that new technologies perhaps that you're excited about or just uh, developments that uh, you were happy to see? Uh, well, I mentioned uh, the, the drug delivery space yep. is, is really heating up that uh, they're uh, – and, I, and I'm a consultant to a couple of these companies, uh, Alakin, and in the past I was with Nvidia, and they both have uh, drug delivery uh, in, inserts that go into the eye. The Allergan device uh, based on their Authordex platform, which is already approved for uh, deliveries, delivery of steroids in the, in the poster segment, and they've modified it to deliver uh, Bamatoprost, which is Lumigan, uh, in the anterior segment, in the anterior chamber, uh, been involved in a trial, and they, they're fairly far along on this process. Uh, uh, they have, uh, it's safe, it delivers uh, drug for four to six months, and uh, seems to be free of uh, side effects. The question with some of these uh, anterior segment delivery systems is whether clinicians and patients will be willing to go along with a slight risk of, a, of an anterior segment injection, uh, given the, the eventual freedom of having to put drops in for four to six months. It's a little bit of a mind shift for both doctors and patients. You know, it's, it'll take some time to, uh, I think, show that this is safe enough to allow um, widespread use. So it won't be going, neither of these products will be going to the FDA for a couple of years, but It'll be um, it'll take some time for I think 
all of us in ophthalmology to accept that. On the one hand, on the other hand, you know, we, we know that uh, these parsed plain injections for treating uh, macular degeneration is so widespread that I think the younger ophthalmologists will be probably more accepting of, of this new change technology than uh, the older ophthalmologists. But I think ultimately that's the direction that therapy is going to be going in the, in the drug delivery. So that was that's exciting, uh, and there's a whole uh, slew of other items along the along the way of drug delivery, both the contact lenses, uh, uh, gels that are uh, placed inside the cul-de-sac of the eye. Uh, the there's rings, so there's a lot of drug delivery work going on uh, that's very interesting, and that would that would change the the compliance adherence problem we have. Uh, so there there's that aspect, and then of course we've talked about the surgical side of this. Uh, MIGS uh, has has really transformed um, the surgical side, and I think what we're going to ultimately see will be a uh, a merger of the drug delivery and the MIGS space, so that perhaps we'll come up with a drug that can enhance um, or pro- or provide neuroprotection, and perhaps could be delivered using a MIGS device that would uh, both lower intraocular pressure and perhaps uh, if when when the, when, a, when a drug is discovered that is neuroprotective, that could be a way of delivering it. Because getting drugs to the posterior segment is very hard, and it probably will require uh, some type of drug delivery system to get it back there. So we're getting closer on the on the delivery side. Now we just need to find the drug that can provide the neuroprotection. You mentioned younger uh, ophthalmologist. Is the the cool factor of glaucoma uh, because of that? Are you drawing? Uh, more people to to the space? Has there ever been a shortage of gl- of people of specialists in glaucoma, and it, and has that changed in recent years? You know, it's a good point, and it has really changed. There there, there wasn't uh, ten fifteen years ago. There wasn't as much new happening in glaucoma, and the, and the number of, of residents applying for glaucoma fellowships had had really dwindled. And now the reverse is true. Glaucoma fellowship is highly sought after because you have that marriage of of surgery and and medical treatment that is uh, 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 kind of unique. And so glaucoma fellowships are, are highly sought after now. It's one of the more highly sought after fellowships in all of ophthalmology because of all this new technology happening. It's a great time to be in it. And, you're, you're, and that, I think, is bringing a lot of young, new ideas to the space, which is all good. Terrific, and and we'll finish up with what kind of what we started with the the acquisition uh, of Transcend Medical uh, by Alcon. Uh, you mentioned prior to the, the the this phone call that you were getting a lot of texts from uh, colleagues about this. What's the general feeling uh, of the deal? Uh, is it a surprise? And and what's your feeling? Were you, were you surprised to see it happen? And if so, why? Uh, well, I was I was a little surprised because, as we all know, there's been a bit of a shakeup at Alcon and. Uh, no one knew what direction it was going to take, so I, I think it's fabulous that they are pursuing uh, products and going to innovate their surgical space. And I'm particularly excited because of the glaucoma specialist. I, I, I'm really happy because I think it, it, it justifies the mix space even more. You know, we've had uh, lots of action on the mix space we, where we had, you know, Glaucos uh, went public over a year ago. Um, we have uh, Allergan purchasing Aquasys and Zen, and now we've got Alcon purchasing Transcend. So I think it it, it justifies the space, and I think that will help 
uh, on the regulatory side because I think we'll we'll get more support from the big the big boys in getting regulatory approval on a on a, on a perhaps faster basis. I think it'll justify on a reimbursement piece. It'll make that side of it easier because now you've got you know the, the bigger bigger company support behind it. And most importantly, I think it'll bring a lot of attention uh, to the broad diversity of, of surgical options in glaucoma. Mm-hmm. So I think this is great. I, I, I you know, uh, about 10 years ago, Ike Ahmed and I had a course called The Cutting Edge where we we uh, were talking about this new area called MIGS and no one really understood it. Uh, there were, we had the, all the, the beginning companies and nobody had a lot of clinical clinical data yet. And uh, now fast forward and we're seeing them acquired by the by the big by the big uh, principals. It's it's uh, it's very it's very reassuring, and I think it's great for ophthalmology. Terrific. Well, enjoy this time. This is your time, glaucoma specialist. Great. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks for the interview. This is wonderful. Excellent. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay. You too. Bye bye now. Dr. Lewis, thank you for joining us on the OIS podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm glad uh, glaucoma's time has certainly come. And to all of our listeners, thank you, of course, for joining us again today. And we very much want to see you uh, at the next OIS. So go to ois.net, register to attend OIS at ASCRS on May 5th, and we will see you in New Orleans.